The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Hey everybody, it's Matt Michaels here on The DeFalco Files with the owner and creator of FSW, the future stars of wrestling here in Las Vegas, Mr. Joe DeFalco. Joe, how you doing, man? Oh, I feel like shit. Well, anyone listening today, please uh, just uh, forgive the phlegm in the throat for uh, Joe. Yeah. As he, he's he survived a one hell of a uh, pretty long weekend, and uh, let's kind of uh, talk about how things uh, went down for you this weekend. Um, you know, you ran shows from Thursday through Sunday. Um, just overall, before we kind of talk a little bit about the individual shows, uh, how did you feel it went for you as a promoter? Did you meet the expectations and were the other members of the collective happy as well with uh, how the uh, weekend turned out? Well, I would have to for sure think GCW was uh, ecstatic. Man, that place was mobbed for them, you know. For four o'clock on a Saturday, I know Sammy Callahan was very happy. <clears throat> I haven't really spoke with Black Label because uh, the owner wasn't was under the weather. There was some COVID in the uh, family, so he didn't make it out. Gotcha. So, got to really touch base on that. But you know, so much went on, and it's like, oof. Now that it's over, it's like, okay, everything went pretty smoothly in terms of, you know, the venue and, and the matches and the shows. But I'll tell you what, it takes a lot out of you. <laughs> um, do you see any, uh, uh, you know, I don't want to say ratings, but I guess uh, pay-per-view buys. That's what I'm looking for in terms of uh, Friday night show where it was FSW uh, versus uh, Wrestling Revolver on Fight TV. Uh, did any of that uh, data get to you yet if uh, you guys did well on those cells? Yeah, it was okay. <clears throat> it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't as popular as the GCW show. And it wasn't as popular as uh, as the Mecca. You know, it was probably the third or fourth best pay-per-view we had. But a little underwhelming, in, in my opinion. I thought with the, uh, the card being stacked as it was, that I knew we'd have limitations to the live audience because of AEW and Rampage going on that day. But I figured a lot of a lot more fans would make the purchase. So, like again, it was it was above average, but to me that was a mecca card, and it wasn't a mecca, you know, pay per view numbers. <laughs> does, 
do you think some of that might have to do with, and I, I really never thought about this uh, until this very second, and that is with all the choices that people had this weekend in terms of if I want to spend that money on a pay-per-view, um, the consideration of, you know, hey, you've got the Friday pay-per-view and then you've got uh, Wrestling Revolver on Saturday and GCW on Saturday, just for the, the shows here locally in Vegas, let alone the other shows around the country for that weekend. Does that kind of start cutting into, um, you know, the, the idea of the pay-per-view buys being kind of um, almost uh, you have to choose what you want to watch and where you want to spend your money versus uh, some of the wrestling fans who are really just able to buy, you know, multiple streams like that. Um, how does that play into your mind where you're looking at that going? Uh, if it was, let's say, the anniversary show coming up here in June, um, would that potentially do better numbers if it's not going head-to-head -head with a GCW, say? Oh, without a doubt. You know, there's the regulars who are going to buy it regardless and watch it at a different time, you know. But there's so much wrestling going on these days. There's so many companies. So, in reality, the strong will survive, <laughs> you know. Just like running events, you know, everybody is a promoter these days, you know. We went from Vegas running one show, FSW, to, you know, 12 shows in a month. Yeah. So, you know, the popularity of wrestling is there. But now every crowd diminishes. Right. You know, unless it's a really big show, that means something. You know, GCW comes out once every six months. Right. So... When they come out, it's a big deal. It's easy to miss an FSW show when we had three of them. Like, yeah, you know what? I had a long day. I was at GCW Saturday night. Uh, I'm going to AEW. I'm not going to wake up for a noon show and sit there for two more hours to then get in a car and go all the way to T-Mobile to go watch another four hours. <laughs> There's only... You know, so much wrestling. You right. know, after everything is said and done, you know, you take a step back and you say, hey, what worked? What didn't work moving forward? You know, because this isn't WrestleMania weekend. You know, right. this is full tilt weekend. It's AEW weekend. Well, WrestleMania weekend has got 100,000 fans. So yeah. AEW... He's got 15,000 fans. And they're also running events, whether it was Saturday doing a meet and greet, a yeah. fan fest, or a karaoke event somewhere. <laughs> their target audience is their own people. Yeah. At WrestleMania, there's a million other things going on, you know, besides WWE events. So, right. you know. Once I wake up out of this stupor, you know, I'll probably figure some things out. Um, 
when you look at uh, the cards that were put together and executed by FSW, um, what do you think in terms of looking at the the big picture? What do you think were some of the top performances uh, that you and you know either got feedback from or saw a little bit of? Because uh, I know during the shows, you know, you're running around. Um, were there you know, was there any buzz or, or uh, matches or particular wrestlers who stood out this weekend for you? Well, yeah, probably our own, uh, Bodie. You know, I was sitting with Sammy Callahan because we were running the door, and he was popping huge. Like, I'm booking this kid on my show. This guy's great. And, and he loved, he loved him some Bodie. You know what I mean? And we yeah. even had a few of the wrestlers, Trey Miguel. Oh, it's my new favorite wrestler. So Bodie surely made a, uh, a a big splash, you know, amongst them. There was people I wasn't that aware of other than knowing who they were uh, that I've heard good things about. But Marcus Mathers, who worked Damian Drake on our show Sunday, 19-year-old kid, awesome. Uh, yeah. ASF uh, out of San Antonio. Oh, Man, that kid can fly, you know. Yeah. Even Gringo Loco, which I yeah. should have known, a big white <laughs> luch store. Like I'm like, who's that guy? <clears throat> so, you know, and Nick Wayne has really become a pro. You know, we had him probably seven, eight months ago, and he was he was good, but now he's he's at that next level. You know, yeah. Billy Stark, she's only seventeen. You know, there was so much talent. The rotation got a lot of rave reviews from Germany. Yeah. He came in, and you know we ended up utilizing him uh, a few times, and then the other companies used him. So he yeah. went from maybe getting one booking to like four, because yeah. they were impressed by what he what he what they saw. You know, Adam Brooks, man, that dude is awesome. Yeah, and he he re, he probably was the main guy got hurt during the pandemic because he was on the verge of being a breakout star. And we saw it luck of the draw when he came out, the uh, response was pretty mild and yeah. he's one of the best workers there around. He looks great. He's in fantastic shape, super dude. You know, it's like he, he wants to make it. He needs to like, not go back and forth. He needs to stay here. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's, that's definitely, uh, you know, something that's really tough too, because it's not even back and forth to, uh, you know, England, it's back and forth to Australia, which you're losing literally two days every time you, you travel, um, with him, I, what I found interesting is that him and Damian Drake have a lot of similarities in style, uh, and build, um, I know that's someone that Damien would love to face in the future and probably will, you know, regardless where it's at down the line. Um, when you see two guys like that and you see a little bit of what, you know, they were able to do in a six man scramble, um, does that start sparking interest in like, well, if he's around on the West coast and we could utilize him, a matchup like that would work or, or say uh, Vandergriff, who is the new no limits champion um, going against an Adam Brooks at FSW potentially for that belt. Um, 
is that what you see sometimes when you look at some of the performers and now that you have a little bit more of a relationship and got to see some of them live, is that what you'd end up doing then is kind of uh, just kind of keeping in touch with them and seeing if any of them are headed this way so you could potentially utilize them in some bigger matches against uh, some of your best stars? Well, like, for example, uh, Jared Diaz, we used him last year, SummerSlam. You know, always super nice guy, always looking to come out. You know, we had a nice 30-minute conversation during the Revolver show, and he was like, bro, you know, give me some dates. I'll get myself out here. Because yeah. I was telling him about some stuff that he didn't know in the IWF shows, and he goes, man, you put together some great talent. That's that's why I want to come to FSW. You know, I'll get myself out here. I understand the situation where – I can't fly a guy of Jared Diaz who's really good, but he's under the radar. He needs yeah. he needs more exposure, and he understands getting that exposure may, may mean coming to Vegas, coming to California, you know, trying to book a West Coast swing to get that, you know, name brand out there because, my goodness, there's so many good wrestlers that <clears> – <throat> It's really mind-boggling. Like, I, I personally believe there's more good wrestlers today than there was three years ago, six years ago, ten years ago. Because yeah. between AEW in WWE and New Japan and all these guys they scooped up, there's so many great guys that are out there. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that if you work AEW or New Japan, we can still use Tom Waller. You know, imagine taking all the impact and New Japan guys off this weekend. Well, now there's far less talent. You know, Revolver specializes in impact talent through Sammy. So Josh Alexander and Tom Lawler would never have happened. They'd be off. Rich Swan would be off. Chris Bay would be off. You know, uh, JT Dunn would be wrestling nobody. You know, Willie Mack. Well, Willie Mack might be available now that he's a free agent. So, yeah. but, uh, you know, a majority of those guys, you're going to eliminate. Davey Richards, Hammerstone, well, MLW. Thankfully, they can work other places. <laughs> so, Richard, Richard, Richard Holiday as well this weekend. Right, work. Holiday, you know. Yeah. Great dude, man. You know, we he was with us for all four days. You know, definitely a guy. You know, he came to L.A. for about a month or so with Anthony Green. And they're contemplating, you know, hey, you know what? Maybe it's worth it for us to move to the West Coast. So, yeah, it's uh, I think that that's a very interesting factor that I think we never really thought about or, or talked about. And that is that not only was the showcase based on, you know, showing the talent and, uh, you know, showing what FSW could do and, and GCW, of course, what they do uh, and Wrestling Revolver and Black Pro, Black, Black Label Pro, but it also was a showcase of Las Vegas for a lot of these wrestlers who are from the Midwest and the East Coast who might not have been here for maybe more than one or two days, um, you know, got to see the town a little bit more, got to see the fans uh, and the way they react here in Vegas. 
is that kind of part of a selling point that, you know, hey, not only do we have great fans in Vegas, but, you know, we have the school, we have the arena. <laughs> Vegas itself, not only is it close to Arizona and California and even, you know, Texas uh, in the, the Northwest, but also in the town itself, like you said, there are multiple opportunities for work, let alone just at FSW, but also other shows that, you know, either go on through other companies here in Vegas or, you know, other companies that have been coming into Vegas. Is that really kind of a selling point now where you have all the talent that lives here that are the younger talent, but all the veteran talent that is in town too and retired talent that it's becoming kind of uh, a landing spot for a lot of people who are getting serious about expanding their brand to the West Coast and potentially expanding, you know, their brand to get signed by a major company. Well, I think per capita, FSW puts out more talent than anybody. You know, California, they got so many more people. You know, if you look at our regular roster of guys, you know, Remy and Cody and Jake and Jay Vidal and Vandegrift and Damian Drake and now Nick Xander and Brett the Thread and Sky High and the Suavecitos and, you know, the list goes on and on. Uh, I'm just talking about the guys that we train. You know, I'm not counting Hammerstone and Class and Graves who come from that Arizona crew. I'm talking about the people that have been trained here who now you saw on GCW, you saw on Revolver, you know, you've seen them on AEW this weekend, you know, Sharp, you know, Hero Lou, Shogun, all these guys are so much talent mixed in with the guys that we have that we bring in like the Eli Everflies and the Gatsons and, and guys that you saw on luck of the draw. And, and you, you also saw, you know, throughout the week. So people come because they want to wrestle good people and they know we put on a really, really good show. No offense. We run the best show in Vegas. I, I believe bar none, you know, Look at the guys that we've had on our show. It's just this weekend. Yeah. You know, Davey Richards has now gotten in the ring with Jacob Austin Young, Cutthroat Cody, Hammerstone, Gregory Sharp, uh, Jack Hartwheel, and Damian Drake. In a matter of being here twice. Yeah. So, you know, that's great opportunities for the younger guys to get in there, you know, with them. You know, Jay Vidal had a big week and worked Anthony Green and Dark Sheik and Matt Vandegrift and, you know, was on every show. Yeah. Pretty much, you know. So that talent level can only get better because you're getting better opportunities to work better people. So um, that, that's what makes being part of FSW and being a guy that's rise the ranks 
sure there's guys who, oh, you know, I ain't getting the opportunities. Well, you know what? Nick Xander got to be in a ring with Anthony Green the other day. Yeah. You know, you know Anthony Green's a guy who started as in PPW where nobody thought that guy was going to have a future. And now, uh, you know, now look at him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he commands bookings. So now it's a big deal to be in the ring. And Remy Marcel gets to work Richard Holiday and Adam Brooks and Travis Titan as he's preparing for the anniversary with Gregory Sharp. You know, so this weekend was standalone, but it was also, you know, putting the main people in in those right spots. Jacob Austin Young worked some singles and got to work some great guys in a scramble and then worked in a tag match against a highly regarded team. So, yeah, yeah. Um, And I think that uh, in violence is forever, uh, you know, it was. A good match against uh, Death Proof, uh, you know, for that team having so much notoriety uh, gives Death Proof a nice chance to uh, show their skills. And it was a a pretty, you know, pretty solid wrestling match. Uh, When you look at uh, Jay Vidal versus Matt Vandergriff, uh, we know that Jay has been the Nolan's champion. He's definitely excelled. He's uh, you know, he's got bookings left and right. Um, and then you got Vandergriff, who is now a uh, Florida resident, but uh, apparently is going to be doing a little uh, uh, checking in of the uh, title belt on flights now. Um, what was it for you that you looked at it and you said this is time for Matt to uh, get that opportunity uh, because the No Limits Championship, and you know, he was you know, part of the Unguided. Uh, they got cut short because of uh, Damian's injury, uh, so they had to relinquish the tag titles. So it was a very, very short run uh, for Matt having a belt. Is this something that um, you look at as he's been a hundred percent loyal to FSW and has worked his ass off? And this is the time now to let him shine a little bit um, and just kind of get uh, a little notoriety for being the No Limits champion? Well, there's a lot of factors. Everybody knows that I'm a very, very big fan of Matt Vandergrift. You know, uh, wrestling-wise, I've seen him come an extremely long way, you know, he, he's worked hard to try to garner a personality because that was the one trait that he really lacked. And, you know, not the best guy on the microphone, but he's the most exciting guy that I believe we have inside the ring. You know, people asked me, he asked me what I thought about his match with Mike Bailey. And I was honest with him. I said, I was disappointed. I said, I know what Matt Vandegrift can do in the ring. And that's the reason I booked that match, because I wanted everybody else around the world to see that Matt Vandergriff can hang with a guy, many people, to be one of the best in the business today, Mike Bailey. And it just seemed that he wasn't able to, you know, get the stuff that he was capable of doing in. You know, there's a lot of factors, you know, when you're a younger guy. You're not as demanding when you're wrestling a guy like Mike Bailey. 
So when Mike Bailey's putting stuff together, it's more yes, sir, no, sir, than, well, yeah, I want to do this or I want to do that. And sometimes you need to be a little bit more aggressive. You know, you can always use, you know, you're working an FSW show per se, you know, even though it's FSW versus Revolver. You're coming to Vegas, our town, per se. And, you know, blame me. Get me. Do something. If uh, I jokingly said, I said, Matt, you did more in a six-man scramble that lasted 10 minutes than you did in a 20-minute one-on-one match. That's, like, virtually impossible. Yeah. It was like all he did offensively was very sporadic, and and Matt's a guy who can do – a lot of creative things into other things and segueing it into the next and, and having a, you know, an offensive outburst. And I just didn't see it in that match. And again, yeah. as an outsider, oh, yeah, that was a good match. But as an outsider, you didn't look at him and say, holy shit, Matt Vandegrift, this fucking dude is fucking awesome. Like, right. When I watched the ASF kid in the first scramble, I'm like, holy shit, this guy is really, really good because he got to showcase and shine and do certain things. Right. You know what I mean? I I just felt that uh, Matt didn't get as much as I'm pretty sure he would have liked to in in that matchup. (laughs) Yeah, and that's that's an interesting uh, kind of paradox that guys will find themselves in. Um, Also, one of the things I noticed that – for me, it was kind of interesting was in a match like that. Um, let me ask you, who was the face and who was working the heel? Because I really couldn't distinguish who the the heel in a match like that was. In what match? In in uh, Bailey versus uh, Vandegrift. Uh, I think that's how it was meant to be. When Trey Miguel wrestled Kenny King, who's the face? Who's the heel? Well, Kenny's the local Vegas favorite. Right. Trey's the outside favorite. So we want people to be who they are, not to change up and do things that they're not going to do. You know, there's a difference between storyline matches and building things. It was no different than Jay Vidal and Matt Vandegrift. It was a... It, it was a gauntlet match, and Bodie's the baby face. So him and Matt Vandegrift were both baby faces. Matt beat Bodie, went on to Jay Vidal, both baby faces. <clears throat> That's just the way it is. Yeah. And, you know, Matt was a heel who turned baby face just because he was liked, not right. because he did anything, you know, heroic. He didn't do anything where it's like, oh, yeah, he is a good guy. It was like he kind of turned on his partner and laid him to waste. And then they had this big feud. And then they started cheering him again because they like him. You can't stop people from liking somebody. You know, if somebody if, if, if either one hit somebody with a low blow, you know, that wouldn't make Jay Vidal a heel. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, he hit him with a low blow. Okay, Jay, well, you're still going to be Jay Vidal. You know, people who love you are still going to love you. 
<laughs> so there's certain situations where JT Dunn plays into the heel role as the revolver champion trying to keep his belt when he's in a match with Chris Bay. Yeah. Um, the Speaking of oh. that, you know, Bay gets the, uh, the wrestling revolver title in that match, um, the, the four-way match with, uh, with Dunn and Kenny King and Rich Swan, um, and then has a, a singles match the, the next day for the belt. Um, is that something that, uh, you knew was going to happen that, uh, you knew that Sammy was going to allow Chris the, uh, the opportunity to have that title, uh, if, if not for a short period of time? Uh, yes, I did. When we were going through the matches, that's what he let me know. And I thought it was brilliant. You know, it was a good way to end that match, yeah. you know, the, to end that show. And it really was the catapult for me to pull the trigger on Matt Vandergriff. You know what? It's the last show. It's not usually attended, but now not only is it a big moment, if you are a regular and you didn't make that show, you're like, fuck, I should have been there. You know, I wanted to come, but I was tired, you know, because people are going to look at it as, well, not a lot of big names on it. It's the final event. So it's kind of a throwaway show in their opinion. And, you know, we ended up adding Remy and Holiday, and it was a great card. It was as good a card as, as anything. Yeah. But because of where it was situated in the weekend, it was considered the show that you can miss. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that's unfortunate, too. But uh, if you go back on the FSW network, uh, six ninety nine a month, uh, you can see all three shows, uh, which would be the Thursday night show, uh, the uh, Sunday uh, morning show, and then... Also, Ed in San Antonio, the women's show, um, you know, it was, it was a tough, you know, talking about tough and getting people there. Um, there were fans there, but it was kind of a tough go for uh, the fans uh, for that show that Ed put together. Um, but the women worked their butts off. Um, we saw the, the first match there with Estrella and, and Alice Blair. Um do you have any thoughts on how that show went? And, um, you know, did you get a chance to see uh, Estrella and Alice uh, work that match? And how do you think they're coming along? Because uh, those are currently the two biggest up and coming in your women's division um, in terms of needing to work and, and getting a feel uh, what were your thoughts about how that show came off for it? First off, those two need to train more. It was obvious if you watched the match. Can't really say much more about it. You know, yeah. it was clunky. It, you know, it was disappointing. And, yeah. you know, things happened in that match. It was like, ugh. You know, yeah. and the thing is, the bottom line is, you know, they have all the potential in the world. You know, I've seen them have really good matches. And training is extremely important, you know, and and if you're not around enough and this is what your goal is in life that you want to do, you know, 
if you had that match on AEW Dark, you would never be invited back again. You know? Right. So that is what it is on that. You know, Ed comes in. You know, he loves women's wrestling. He likes to come in with the Wrestling Observer crew when they have their convention. So <clears throat> he's not really looking at like, oh, I want to draw 200 people. He just wants to have a fun show and yeah. win or lose. He wants to put people that he likes that are going to wrestle on the show and he gets to see them and he gets to book them on the show. So, you know, he looks at it differently than I do. If, if I draw a crowd nowhere near what I want, I'm not going to be happy about it, you know, but he doesn't have a promotion. He just runs the show once a year. Right. So there's people in town. If they show up, great. If they don't, you know, I got, I got to have another cool show, hung out with cool people, and, you know, that's what it is. So he's different than most people who look at the bottom line of profit margin as to the success of their show. Sure. Um, speaking of women and wrestling, uh, man, Maserati, have, what can you say about this woman? She's worked her ass off. She's getting the opportunities. She uh, she got to work, you know, AEW uh, on the dark uh, show tapings. Um, you know, how proud are you to see her taking control of her future in terms of, you know, how she's been able to utilize this past year uh, since she lost the FSW title and uh, has, you know, pretty much been week working almost every weekend uh, across the country. Um, I know it, you know, hurts FSW a little bit in terms of her not being in the city, but at the same time, it's a great, another person that's, you know, on the verge of breaking into one of the major companies uh, and again, giving FSW the rub by doing so. What do you think of uh, how she did in terms of her uh, appearances this weekend? And what do you think as a whole of the FSW talent getting the opportunity to do some of that extra work or dark matches uh, for AEW this weekend? Well, it just shows you how much hard work pays off. You know, Maz has been going nonstop, you know, when I talk about training. Well, maybe Maz isn't really at training a lot, but she's wrestling 10 shows a month. So she's in that ring, you know, two to three times a weekend. Yeah. So it's, it's basically time in that ring doing things. And if you don't have matches... And I get it. People have to work. People got to pay their bills. But if you want to get booked on shows, if you go out and have a clunker and I'm watching this as a guy who's just running a show, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to use them because all I can go with is what I just saw. Yeah. You know, no matter what somebody's reputation is, you know, basically with Ed, he needed some people, and, and those were two that I recommended to him. So, you know, he put them on the show. You know, he needed a couple of girls. And I'm like, you don't need to travel out. You know, the, the these two are definitely in. And he's used them both. And, you know, they, were they, 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 you know, produced fine. 
you know, before. But since Strella won the Battle of the Sexes matches, she took a lot of time off. And Alice Blair had some, you know, issues with her car and work and new jobs. So her time training has been limited also where she was gone for two, three, four months. And over the last two, she's come back, but she's still not there all the time. So it isn't that simple to take six months off something, especially at the level you're at, and then magically turn it back on and have a great match. You may, but you also may have a shitty match. But it's easier to have a good match if you're around a lot because you get to work on your mistakes and improve upon Right. Um, and as far as uh, AEW using a lot of the talent as extras uh, this weekend, um, is uh, Fresco okay from getting a fireball in his face for being a John Moxley? Uh... Yeah, yeah, he, he's all right. You know, uh, he had the big shiner, but he did the uh, commentary on uh, the event Sunday. Or let it ride. So yeah. it didn't affect his vocal cords. Let's just say. <laughs> uh, does that you know how how proud does that make you to see uh, guys you know getting those opportunities and also uh, was it you did AEW turn to FSW uh, this time for talent or how did they uh, get the talent submitted and and. Uh, you know, find the, the extras that they needed for the show. Yeah, different than the last time. The last time they hit us up, you know, this time they relied on those guys sending emails and trying to get themselves booked. So, you know, the guys that worked hard and did the due diligence, you know, got opportunities. Yeah. You know, there's a couple I heard that never opened their fucking emails. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's mind-boggling. Like, take pride in what you do, you right. know. When you're offered or you're asked to do something and you don't respond, you will not be asked again. Yeah. Um, let me ask you about that because uh, this is kind of one of those interesting uh, thoughts, and that is um, sometimes – guys will see their value a little bit more um, than maybe others see their value. So uh, if someone was in a situation, say that, um, let's say the company reached out to them, you know, they didn't have any attention of putting anything in, company reaches out to them, they take a look at it and they blow off the opportunity. Um, or even if you do reach out, which I think is dumber if you blow off, if you reach out and then you blow it off, that's even more ridiculous. But does that sometimes seem to play into you guys' decisions that they are better than what is perceived elsewhere and that uh, they feel that maybe you know being a security guard in a segment is underneath them? Uh, as opposed to uh, they wanted to, let's say, wrestle uh, on dark uh, as opposed to being an extra. Um, And vice versa, let me ask you this too. Do you think that if you do accept extra work, sometimes that 
is whispered out there that companies see if you accept extra work that you are viewed then as an extra and not as someone who could eventually be top talent is are those two things kind of you know some of the convolution that keeps guys from taking opportunities that could potentially help them I've never heard of any guy who got hired to be an extra for WWE or Impact or anything that was like, well, you know, only with me. Oh, you know, I really think I should get more in. They do exactly what's told of them. They're on their best behavior, you know. And I guess there's probably been some who may have complained, but I'm pretty sure they probably were never used. So... You know, you go in there and you do the job. Now, there's a big difference. When you're going in as extra work for WWE or AEW, they're paying you a decent amount of money to do that job, which is probably triple or quadruple than what you might be making from doing a local yokel indie show. So, in most cases, as crazy as it may seem, you know... FSW isn't the be-all, end-all for everybody. You know, it's AEW or WWE or New Japan or whatever. So if they can feel they can get their foot in the door in any way, they know they have to do exactly what's asked of them. And if you don't do it right, you know, we had a guy who wrestled on our show who about three weeks earlier was on WWE. And he wrestled, I think, Veer Mahan and got fucking murdered. So he was going to be in town. He hit me up. I said, bro, I only need one guy to do one thing. And that's make my guy look like a million bucks. He's Korean. We're trying to build him up. Oh, no problem, boss. Make him look like a million bucks. We have the match. That guy gets 60% of the offense. And the finish is... Big move, big move, big move. I miss a move. My guy catches you, one, two, three. And I leave commentary before everybody goes into the back, and I go back there. And he walks up, I guess probably with a smile on his face, and I'm like, what the fuck was that? I'm like, in what world do you think you made this guy look like a million bucks? That's what you told me, and I said that's what I needed. Well, you know, during the comeback, I'm like, nobody gives a shit about the comeback 48 seconds into the match. You hit him with like three or four moves and missed a move. He did not win that match. Your fuck-up cost you the match. Oh, man. Well, needless to say, when the show was over, the guy was gone, and I never seen or heard from him again. So, I guess. But, like, there, he took it upon himself, and I told him, I'm like, just... I said, absolutely, you are better than this guy. But you're going to be here one time, and this is what I need from you. Yeah. You know, because but everybody feels they need to get their shit in. Yeah. And it was like, what the fuck? (laughs) So needless to say, I would never use them again. Um, So, you know, we we are coming up to now – the lead up to the anniversary show. The anniversary show is on June nineteenth, uh, which is a nice little Father's Day treat. Take your father out to yes. watch some wrestling. Um, 
but we've got a show coming up here. I believe it's uh, June 4th uh, at the FSW arena. Um, you know, it's, it's the buildup for what's coming for the anniversary show. Do you have anything in place as of right now? And uh, how quickly do you have to put things together? Because uh, that's going to be here, you know, just in uh, just over a week. Uh, so over a week how, is like four days away. Is it? Oh, my God. It's already. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Three See? days away. Three days away. Holy mackerel, man. Um, so for you, how tough is that? That turnaround um because i'm even thinking oh yeah at least you got a week and it's like oh no you got days uh how quickly is that affecting you in terms of uh just having everything together and um knowing that this is kind of the platform to do the setups uh that are going to lead into the anniversary show does that even make it uh more you know chaotic for you to make sure that everything is in place so that uh, the anniversary show comes off as good as it uh, should come off. Well, first off, what we're doing is we're doing, uh, you know, first year pricing for this show coming up. So back in the day, it was 20 and 10. So for this show to try to get as many people as we can in there, because it is an important show. uh, We're offering $20 front row instead of 30 and $10 GA instead of 20. You know, it's the AEW burnout as well as, Let's offer something to get some fans into the arena. Uh, we've built up enough of the feuds that most people would believe that Hammerstone and Ice Williams is going to wrestle and Gregory Sharp and uh, Remy Marcel and Cal Jack and Brett the Threat. And what happened this past weekend, uh, Matt Vandergriff and Jay Vidal, which we will be announcing later, you know, they have the rematch. So those are four matches. You know, we got the cash in the case, which is five. So we only got a couple of matches that we're going to fill in. So on Saturday, we're going to have probably three or four qualifying matches for the cash in the case. Uh, The first match I can announce, uh, maybe one of the younger guys gets a spot. Ricky Tenacious against Chase Bell. And the winner's got a spot in the cash in the case. So we're still working on, you know, who TBD is going to wrestle. But, you know, Flyers ready to go. We're ready to pound it out. And we just want a decent turnout on Saturday. Uh, Some of those big matches that you know are going to happen, there's stipulations behind it. And by Saturday, everybody's going to know the stipulations. So, you know, 13. 13 is my favorite number, so I want it to be my favorite anniversary show. (laughs) Um, And... Everything, uh, you know, with the Silver Nugget this past weekend and then, of course, coming up for the anniversary show. uh, Has the uh, feedback been good? Uh, Have you received any word from uh, the Silver Nugget on how they felt, uh, you know, this this past weekend went? And are they anticipating, uh, you know, a decent crowd for the anniversary show uh, when that goes down? Well, they have no knowledge of what the crowd's going to be. Like, they had no knowledge. You know, they were like, holy shit, with GCW. Like, other than one of their big Mexican concerts, that was by far the most people ever in there. Uh, I was playing it safe, so I left right before the GCW main event with all the light tubes because I didn't want her yelling at me. So 
but I guess she was okay with it. Uh, the one thing I heard was, well, you know, I wish Joe would have told me. And it was like, well, when I asked her, I said, you know, it's going to get kind of crazy. I didn't have to elaborate everything that was going to be done. You know, I was told, hey, as long as they stay in the ring, they can do whatever they need to do. So they did. You know, I, I don't get the run sheet from GCW and say, okay, today's weapons are light tubes, barbed wire, baseball bat, you know, glass. You know, I just know they're going to do something crazy. <laughs> now, I'll be honest, I did ask, and I saw Alex Cologne with light tubes. So I was pretty certain they were, but I didn't feel it was necessary for me to broadcast that out. <laughs> well, yeah, because you don't want to broadcast the wrong information. I mean, they could have just been... Uh, you, you, know, can't apologize, you can't apologize before it can happen. You can only apologize after. Right. Hey, sorry. What if what if those light tubes were never used in the ring? Then you would have looked like an idiot, right? Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, you you've had a long week. Um, you're getting ready to essentially finish off this <laughs> past week by doing the show this weekend. Um, obviously, you're you're a little under the weather. Um, in the end, when you look at everything and you look at the time it takes, you look at your health, you look at um, the reception of the events and how everything went. Uh, do you look at that this weekend and, and, you know, really essentially last couple of weeks as something that you still, in the end, all the headaches it might give, all the... Um, the accomplishments that might come out of it, does that still come down to one simple fact? And that is your pure love of professional wrestling. And that's why you do it. Yeah. Cause I may motherfuck everything during the week, but the bottom line is we had 1500 fans or so inside the silver nugget on Friday and Saturday. Yeah. And, you know, that's not counting a couple hundred from the arena between Thursday and Sunday. So, yeah, a lot of them are the same people. But 1,700 fans or so walked through the doors of wrestling shows that I helped put together. So, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, that, I mean, it's, it's an accomplishment that everything went off uh, smooth. There weren't that, you know those problems that could have arose. Um, uh, to my knowledge, uh, everything was also safe. I don't think many people got, you know, many injuries that were, you know, outside of something nagging or something small. So uh, in the end, it, it, it was a success. Um, now you're focusing, of course, on the anniversary show. Uh, when you look then further into the year, uh, does it look like everything is in place that Silver Nugget will be a home for at least a little bit because of the uh, interactions that you've had now with them and uh, the fact that you're bringing them a little bit more business than uh, they would typically see? Well, hopefully it will. As I'm talking to you, I'm just reading a message from the lady from the Nugget. Uh, how she got sent a video from when one of the wrestlers broke one of their registers. So uh, I, I, it was in the Matt Cardona match because they were fighting around and they're showing the video. So 
that uh, needs to be reimbursed. So I, I'm, I'm going to believe those uh, registers aren't 85 bucks. Oh, man. Uh, well, you know what? If it's Cardona's match, the guy can't afford it. So uh, uh, he, he won't pay it. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> uh, well, there, there we go. So uh, remember, if you're an FSW wrestler and you're on the anniversary show, do not touch <laughs> the registers. Uh, they are not weapons. And, uh, and Joe is not going to want to pay uh, more than 85 bucks for a register. So that's right. I use a <laughs> lockbox instead. Yeah. Uh, any final thoughts as we uh, wrap up here and, uh, you know, uh, put a, put a bow tie on the, uh, the end of this uh, collective weekend and move on forward. Yeah. As time consuming and tiring and how I feel afterwards, you know, Obviously, we need to get things a little more organized, but, you know, looking forward to doing it again. Glutton for punishment. <laughs> well, and again, uh, if you're listening or uh, watching and you are not in Vegas, the FSW Network is six ninety nine. Uh, the June 4th show you'll be able to see on the network. So uh, check that out. You'll also uh, be seeing, you know, the, the past three shows that we've been talking about, as well as uh, the uh, catalog of FSW shows. Um, and uh, if you're in town, again, it's throwback prices, man. Uh, $20 front row, $10 GA. Uh, you know, it's just kind of uh, that first weekend or so now that kids are kind of out of school. So take the family and uh, come on down and see some good wrestling and, uh, you know, you'll uh, you can't complain about what you see uh, at the FSW arena because it's right there, right in front of your eyes, very close, uh, up close and personal. And uh, it's a great way if you have kids who maybe have not gone to a wrestling event or, you know, the prices that AEW or WWE charge, uh, you can't take the family. Come on down and uh, check out the show. And uh, get ready for the anniversary show, too. So anyone who hasn't got your tickets yet, uh, go and start getting those tickets in because, uh, you know, the, the tickets will sell quick, especially the front rows for the anniversary show. Uh, that's it for this week, Joe, I think. Um, you know, rest up. Uh, and uh, if, uh, you know, you're not feeling well come Saturday, I'm sure you could probably put uh, Joey in charge of the show. I'm sure he'd execute it. Oh, yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> On that note, everyone, have a wonderful rest of your week, and we'll see you guys later. <laughs>